0: Back to the Fellowship. Adam Hawk here, joined as always by the CEO and founder of Nation Golf. He's a world-renowned surfboard shaper, a damn near-scratch golfer, and the Pete Rose of insults. It's just a hit parade of snark with this guy. Brian Engel, how are you, Pards? How's it going? All right, very good. You brought the enthusiasm. I guess it is Monday, and as you famously said, there's not enough coffee in the world to get you up to where you need to be on a Monday.
1: Mondays. I got a case of the moon
0: days if you are one of the thousands of people listening to this podcast right now and yes there are thousands i've seen the numbers first off thank you so much and second do us a favor share it with a friend we are trying our damnedest to grow this thing bring a buddy we could use your help tell a friend tell an enemy tell someone we appreciate it and if you'd like to drop us a line or give us some feedback or a topic you'd like us to cover keep
1: it to yourself
0: or a question you'd like answered (laughs) You can always reach us at nationgolfco at gmail.com. Adam will get back to you as soon as he can. Or you can swing into the DMs on Instagram. Uh, We operate under the handle on Instagram at nationgolf, so drop us a line. All right, where to start? I guess I'll ask a question I already know the answer to. Did you watch any professional golf this weekend, be it the Wyndham Championship or Live Golf, where Bryson DeChambeau shot a 58? en route to some wind that no one cares about. Did not watch, but I did
1: see our uh, BS echo chamber of golf media talk about it. It's funny, 58, I don't care if you shot that at Muni or whatever. It just shows you the state of our echo chamber of the golf space that someone could go out there and do something like that. And because it's on a live thing or because it's the hate this guy gets for shooting a 58, it's like, what are we doing guys go outside take your sunglasses off close your eyes face your your front to the sun take a big fucking deep breath for me please because life is good you just need to get off your thumbs on that little keyboard talking smack it's just ridiculous guy shoots a 58 great fucking round good job move along
0: I guess this is the one time you could argue that Liv Golf got more run over the weekend than the PGA Tour. I guess
1: you could. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: And all it took was one, a 58 by a household name, and two, going up against the Wyndham Championship. And if that's all it takes for Liv to outshine the PGA Tour, I got some news for you, Liv. You're in more trouble than I thought. You can go back, look at the receipts, Adam. When all this stuff first started
1: happening, I was the first one to say, the argument that the pga is making and that everyone is helping make for the pga was this oh we're the tour of history and tradition and i said at the beginning i said they are lucky they get to ride the coattails of all those big tournaments that they have nothing to do with because the tournaments that they are actually responsible for are trash the pga tour their tournaments that it's just on them to work with the sponsors and run, and it's all the middle of the road and bottom of the of the road tournaments. They're not great events, and this is just a perfect example of that. And say what you want about live, whatever you know, I, I get it. But look at the world we live in. You got DJ Khaled on the front of the thing. You got people arguing about dress codes and changing the game and stuff. It's just it's wackadoodle out there, man. No one's looking at the brass tacks of business here, and It's watching that ball acoustics piss off the ground and soar into the air. That feeling of just peering it. That's what this is all about. That's the game. We're caught up in talking shit on a pro shooting 58.
0: And let me continue to talk shit because there's an old philosophical question that asks, if a tree falls in the forest but no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? The 2023 version of that is, if a live golfer shoots a 58 on the CW and does it in shorts, did it even happen?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I get what you're saying. It happened. I have my opinions on a lot of things, as everyone listening knows, but 58 is a 58. That is fucking gnarly. And he had a bogey. Right. Unbelievable. Great round. I'm sure Bryson's a good guy. He's probably just a little quirky, but... You kind of have to be to be good at anything to be that good at anything all those greats are dorks and weirdos and, and nerds because to be elite you have to be just completely obsessed with something and to be completely obsessed with something says a lot
0: right i caught some of the Wyndham on sunday before a weather delay and then i came back to it an hour later for the restart cbs had started showing the incredible dog challenge that's right cbs went to taped coverage of dogs (laughs) doing the long jump into a pool while the Wyndham played out the final six holes on the ESPN app instead of on television. Nice going, CBS. Way to plan for that. Way to read a weather forecast as if those aren't readily available. Way to show 66 holes of a championship, build up all this hype for all the playoff scenarios hanging in the balance, and then go to pre-taped dog Olympics. Shows you what CBS thinks of the Wyndham, because if this was an NFL preseason game, they'd have preempted the Sunday evening news and Survivor and their biggest shows of all time just to get back to that. But shows you what they think of the Wyndham. But for those that missed it or don't know, Lucas Glover ended up winning at 20 under par. Good for him, but every time Lucas Glover is headline news, which isn't often, Unfortunately, one very famous incident in his life is brought right back into the spotlight. Now, maybe you remember this story, but back in 2018, Lucas Glover, who ironically doesn't wear a glove when he plays golf, missed the 54-hole cut at the Players' Championship. That's not newsworthy, and that's not going to stick with you for five years and counting, but what happened afterwards will haunt him for the rest of his days. You know the story? Something to do with his wife. According to a statement given to the police by Lucas Glover himself, when he returned to the rental house after missing the cut at the Players in 2018, his wife, Krista, launched a verbal assault on him that turned physical. And according to Glover, she called him a loser and a pussy and then attacked him and his mom and left lacerations on both of them. Now, it's one thing to give your husband the hands, but your mother-in-law, too? Glover also told the police that his wife frequently berates him after poor performances and even threatens him that he won't see the kids again if he doesn't play well. Now, how's that for a swing thought? Balance, rotate, stay on plane, finish to the target, and knock it tight if you ever want to see your kids again.
1: Are they still together? Did they divorce? They're still together. They're still together because she was nowhere to be seen when he was doing all the kiss your kids and win
0: stuff. Exactly. Now, the twist in this story is back in 2018, When the cops showed up and took his statement and started trying to put Mrs. Glover in the back of the squad car, she apparently resisted and kicked the door so hard that she actually damaged the police vehicle. And then she told the cops, quote, wait till the tour hears about this. You'll all be fired. End quote. And seeing all of this unfold was jarring enough to get Lucas Glover to retract his statement, call himself a liar, and dropped the charges against his wife. Now, no one is laughing. We're not here to make light of domestic violence, but it's impossible not to think of that and not to think of her when I hear his name. And you just mentioned it. If you watched yesterday, you saw Lucas's kids with him on the 18th green. Crying. And it was a great moment. What you didn't see was his wife, Krista, who he is still married to. And I have no idea how good that marriage is. I hope it's great, but I have a feeling she stayed away because of what happened five years ago at the Players.
1: I mean... That's a story, isn't it? That is just... How do you even start to unpack that?
0: I mean, you can't. All I have to say is this. When you go out and win a golf tournament and everyone's first thoughts are, now you and your mom aren't going to get beat up by your wife, that's a pretty shitty thing to have following you around everywhere.
1: I mean, for those of us that knew bits and pieces of that story, you compound that with the fact that these guys... Golf is... It doesn't matter who you are. It's a tough game. Mm -hmm. And these great players go through stretches where they kind of lose it, and you just wonder, are they going to get it back? You add that on to that story, and you see him win and cry. I mean, you could see it on the kids' faces. These are kids that grew up watching their dad play golf and go from being up there in the mix constantly to like fighting for his job and to see them crying it's like they were part of the journey they know it you know and so when i saw that he won i was so stoked for that but the first thing i thought i didn't hit you up about this but i was like i wonder if they're still together because i just noticed that she was nowhere to be seen Mm -hmm. on the the final green and what a putt to make on the On the last hole to win,
0: right? He didn't even need it, but he made that putt anyway to win. Nice way to go, and it was a great moment with his kids for sure. And congrats to Lucas Glover on the win. It's just too bad that the win couldn't be all about the win. Yeah, because you do go onto Instagram and you see those comments, and everyone's bringing up the wife and her going after him and the mom. And what's interesting is you mentioned how hard golf is and how hard it is to stay on top. At the time of the incident in 2018, Lucas Glover. Was a three-time tour winner and had $800,000 in the bank from that year alone on tournament winnings alone. So it's not like he's some hack or some scrub. The guy had some coin in the bank for him and his family at the time where his wife attacked him, called him a loser and a pussy and said, if you ever want to see your kids again, you better start making cuts. Greed is a hell of a drug. Isn't it? Let's swing it on over to our favorite place in the entire world, golf Instagram. (laughs) Now, if you know us, you know that we hate golf Instagram more than any two people dead or alive. No one has more golf accounts muted than us. No one tells Instagram to stop suggesting meme pages more than us. No one violently ignores this section of the internet more than us. But something very important caught our eye last week. A couple of things, actually. But the first one was Roger Steele, a very prominent influencer in the space, posted a reel. And the reel was a compilation of total jackwagon, idiot tool sheds, acting like asshats, wrecking the golf courses they were on, flipping carts, hitting themselves in the face with golf balls, celebrating errant tee shots that went into oncoming traffic on an adjacent highway, tasing each other on the tee box and just absolutely shitting down the throat of the game and everything it stands for. The caption Roger Steele posted read, quote, I saw a couple of videos recently that made me feel away. First time in a long time, I feel like the game might need to chill out a bit. Anybody else feel like the golf community as a whole might need to have a little sit down or is it just me? End quote. Your reaction to Roger Steele's now viral real post and his caption asking, anybody else feel like the golf community as a whole might need to have a little sit down.
1: Glad to see uh, someone on legs of which he has to stand on in this space, finally speak up. You know, everyone's so easy to lay down their morals just for some clout and some traction and to gain more followers and more deals with companies and stuff. And it's just like, wow, man, when is the narcissism going to taper off a bit here? The sad thing is, I don't think it's going to change anything. I think as a society and a industry, everything's already been set up to continue business as usual. As much as I'd like to say, wow, that's great. I don't think anything's going to come of it. It'll be the same thing tomorrow. But a little bit at a time, you can wake a few people up to realizing that you know, if you do truly love this game and you love showing up to the course with your friends and actually playing and being a part of its etiquette and character building and journey then you would be disgusted at everything you see on on the internet about golf it's a joke i just feel like we're a long ways from home but you know every now and then if there's a little bit of a of a push or a topic it'll uh slowly start to wake up more and more purists i'll be the grumpy get off my lawn guy for the rest of my life just because of all these idiots
0: yeah, I don't even know if you need to be a purist to get woken up. I think anyone that's just gone out onto the golf course over the last 3 years and has seen this shit or opened up their phone and seen it, even a guy with half a brain or or a gal with half a brain can say that's enough of this. And the same way we're kind of seeing the pendulum swing back slowly in our society where we might have overcorrected recently for some certain things and we're kind of coming back to the middle and there's this yearning to try to get back to more funny free speech or people being able to say what's on their mind without getting canceled and just just kind of having more of a nuanced conversation. Hmm. I think we're, we might start to see that in the golf space. What, what I would say about the Roger Steele post is first off, Thank you, Roger Steele, for using your massive platform to call out this absolute plague that is ruining our game. And we'll get back to how important his voice is for this in a minute. But secondly, to Roger's question, does anyone else feel this way or was it just him? Bro, we've been on this for years. And we've been attacked for it. Years, yes, and we've been attacked. No one has wanted to sit down the golf community and give it a talking to more than us. We hate this stuff. We don't just find it not funny. We don't just choose to ignore it for our own sanity. We vehemently hate this stuff. It makes us sick. And more than makes us sick, it makes us sad. So no, it's not just you, Roger. And we did comment on Roger's post, or I commented, and we stand by this. We said there are two types of golfers in the world, those that learn from someone older and those that learned on Instagram these past three years. This game is meant to be passed down, not brought down. You learned from someone older, I learned from someone older, everyone I know learned from someone older, and that's paramount, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know, that's obvious.
1: I never would have thought golf would have got this far this way, but we're here. I'm so thankful that I had swanky elders that respected the traditions and the etiquettes of the game, but also showed me how to properly have fun with it. You know me, not many people that have as much fun as I do golfing. But, anyways, interesting post, interesting thought. Hopefully, we gained a few more soldiers for the
0: cause. Now, back to learning from someone older and that being paramount, I want to talk about driving a car as an example and as an analogy. Notice how we don't just turn 16 year olds loose on the road without lessons and tests. Notice how there's always someone more experienced sitting in the front seat with them notice the license required to drive, and notice the same speed limits and stop signs that we all have to obey no matter our age or background. And why? Because the only way millions of people can share a road and enjoy the amazing benefits of driving is if we all follow the same rules. And as soon as someone thinks they're above that or they simply don't know what they're doing, that's when you crash. That's when something bad happens. That's when people get hurt. The same is true with golf. We share this space and it only works with rules. So when someone or people like us champion rules and etiquette because we're championing them for the greater good, for the ecosystem that is golf, for what makes sharing the space actually happen and work, it's easy for someone to look at us and say, you guys are gatekeepers, you're traditionalists, oh, and you're white guys, So there's probably a little bit of exclusionary prejudice or racism somewhere in the message you guys are saying. You guys are yearning for some yesteryear where you didn't have to tolerate these new types of golfers out here because you want to look out and see people that look like you. That is simply not the case, is it?
1: No. When you have a bad argument, you resort straight to name calling. There's a number of ways you can name call. That's it. That's just regurgitating the same bullshit message because you just don't have an argument in rebuttal. I don't even hear that shit. I'm just like, oh, really? Yeah, I'm racist. Cool. Yeah, what else? Way to make something so, so gross and wrong watered down by just calling everyone that. It's like, let's get back to the meat and potatoes of this argument. What are we talking about here? Do you condone this behavior? You really think this is good? What have we done as traditionalists that is worse than what we're seeing on this very post we're talking about? This is fucking trash. Golf is a garden. Even the shittiest course takes an enormous amount of work to get that anywhere near playable. These are guys that probably have never mowed a fucking lawn in their life, <laughs> let alone know how to start a lawn mower up. Why don't you just like shut your trap for a second and use your fucking ears and listen. The argument in rebuttal is just as trash as the actions we're seeing. Call me the gatekeeper, bud. I'll get the fucking tattoo if you want.
0: But that argument and rebuttal likely isn't going anywhere because like you mentioned, it's easy, it's cheap, it's uneducated. It's something quick to throw out there and kind of stand on some moral platitude that doesn't even make sense when you break it down. But because that argument exists and will always exist, that makes Roger Steele the best possible messenger for this. He's got a huge platform. He's smart and articulate. He represents the new age. And no one can call that guy a crusty old white guy yearning for a different time of exclusionary privilege. Right. So for him to come out and say this, it's perfect. I was so excited that it was him that said it. Because what he just did was give permission to so many people to echo those thoughts. Thoughts that so many people were feeling but didn't want to say because of the names that you get called or because it might get misconstrued as something that it's not, like elitism or racism. Because as soon as a white guy says he wants golf to chill out and take a step back and honor etiquette and unwritten rules, the same rules that have carried this game for centuries, that guy gets called those things. Now, newsflash to everyone, etiquette and rules and manners and respect for property, those things are not elitist or racist. They are governing principles that make ecosystems work, not just in golf, but everywhere in life. You could say that those level the playing field. Exactly. Right. You're exactly right. They create a barrier of entry for everyone. Right. You're totally right. It's the same with the driving analogy of the speed limit and merging onto a freeway where other people are. you got to be up to speed. you got to stay in your lane. It's not because anybody's trying to hold you down. It's because people want this to keep happening and going, and you're part of something bigger. So how can you, the listener, help the cause? Stop following these accounts. Stop sharing their content. Stop reposting it. Stop tagging your buddies in the comments. Condemn this behavior by ceasing to interact with it. Don't give these clout chasers the time of day. Don't give them your engagement. The second you stop interacting with these posts and the numbers go down is the second that these people stop going out and making these abhorrent videos. They do it for the views, they do it for the follows, they do it for the likes and comments. And none of those people are ever thinking, What can I do for golf? They're thinking, What can golf do for me? They are takers. They take, they take, they take. They don't even like golf, they use it as a means to get attention. So don't give him any. And in the words of 43, George W. Bush, I call upon all nations to do whatever they can to stop these golf terrorists. Now watch this unfollow. (laughs) Shout out to Roger Steele for bringing this to everyone's attention. Before we get off the topic, grow the game as a saying took a lot of heat in Roger Steele's comment section because grow the game has been this mantra that everyone has parroted for the last three years without even thinking about what it means, grow the game. If you ask someone who used that catchphrase for the last three years, what does it mean? Would they even have an answer? Do you have an answer for what grow the game means?
1: I have something I need to ask you, Adam. I publicly, a long time ago, called that tagline bullshit. I could have been the first one against it publicly, and I took a lot of heat for that. And I stood by it. Was I right? You were right. The next time I'm wrong, maybe the first, because... I'm really good at sniffing out the bullshit. And of course we want to break down barriers and and let everyone play. But you got to follow the fucking rules. It's not a free-for-all. You can't just not have a starter and be like, yeah, go out there and do whatever the fuck you want. It's like a park. It's not how it works. You got to work together, just like the freeway. Yeah, you can't be cutting people off. The game deserves to be protected. What we need to do is let's grow what we need to know. About the game. Yeah. Instead of
0: grow the game, how about know the game?
1: Yeah, know the game.
0: I mean, you came up with it. I polished it up. It's kind of That's what, what, we, what do. we do here. That's at what Nation. we do here.
1: I blunder really terrific thoughts out in the universe with improper grammar, and you just
0: polish those turds. Saying grow the game of golf is like walking up to a giraffe and saying, your neck needs to be longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the game is as overgrown as anything could possibly be. You know it if you're listening to this. You cannot get on a T sheet to save your life. The game doesn't need to be grown, it's overgrown. What needs to be grown is etiquette, which is dying a tragic, tragic death. Speaking of tragic deaths, I want to give a couple of RIPs to a few things that need to be memorialized. The first, rest in peace is to Golf Digest.
1: Let's be honest, Adam. Golf Digest died a long time ago. What you're seeing right now is the ghost of Golf Digest. Well, the ghost sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I always wonder, next month, what color backdrop is going to be behind the next player? I think last month was orange. Might be blue next month. I think
0: DJ Cowan was on a green backdrop. God forbid
1: you take a photograph of someone playing this great game outdoors. Yeah. (laughs) Golf Digest. Here, let me tell you something about Golf Digest. Even when they were somewhat of a real publication, like 25 years ago or so, everybody who knows who was like a real player, you get that magazine, what do you do? You go straight to the fucking back, you look at what's in the bag, you close it, and you throw it in the trash. (laughs) Because there's nothing else to look at in there. The articles were garbage, the tips in the back were laughable. They'd get some third string coach talking about how to follow through on bunker shots. They were just one of the first and they had the customer base and the advertisers at that point had to advertise with them because there wasn't what we have now at digital media. So they were carried for a long time with a trash product. And now I'm surprised they're still in business. I
0: really am. Well, what brought this up was Golf Digest posted on Instagram, the do's and don'ts of golf fashion. And they advocated for backwards hats, which was bad enough. And then one slide later, they advocated for wearing jeans on the golf course.
1: Isn't that a funny, funny thing? If you're gonna divide the argument between golf fashion now with like say the traditionalists and the new age, right? Mm -hmm. That argument that they're making, they're on the new age side. These are the same people who go, oh yeah, pants. Why would I want to wear pants when it's 93 degrees outside? There's that argument. And they were like, oh, cotton shirts instead of dry fit. Why do I wear cotton shirts? Same guys who wear cotton t-shirts to a muni. These guys are arguing for jeans. And it's like, well, I thought you were the anti-pants guys. Right. Because are we talking about jorts or jeans here? If they couldn't contradict themselves enough, why on earth would you want to wear the most uncomfortable pants yeah. in that environment? You can't I
0: can't move in jeans. It's ridiculous, dude. Forget the whole fashion thing of golf because you and I have done that episode already and our brand is that episode. Yeah, We are fashion guys when it comes to golf. We're not going to really get into that, but you can't be Golf Digest. The same publication that puts Arnold Palmer in there with a quote that says the well-appointed golfer – is like a businessman or someone headed to church he is telling the course and the people there that he feels they are special you can't put that quote in there and then three weeks later advocate for jeans on a golf course the three golf magazines worth reading in no particular order four magazine edited by yours truly the golfer's journal written by our neighbors right down the road here in san Clemente. And Fringe Magazine by Andrew Conte and Co. Those are the three magazines of record. Four Magazine, The Golfer's Journal, and
1: Fringe Magazine. The Fringe thing is the coolest thing I've seen in the golf space in a long time. Yeah. Just because playing music when I was younger, being in some like punk bands and stuff, and having those old record mail order catalogs and publications like that, that shit's cool. Golfer's Journal. Hey, Golf Digest, get a subscription. Take a look at What it's like to have a real magazine with real photography and real stories, do some homework and come back with something better,
0: please. Yeah, which would probably be a going out of business sign. (laughs) (laughs) The second thing that I would like to memorialize with a good old fashioned rest in peace is customer service. Mm. This weekend, I went to probably 10, 12, 15 different stores with my family, whether it be a grocery run to Costco, dinner or thrifting, because I went out and started doing some picking for our vintage shop. But what I have noticed over the last three years, and what I think everyone else has noticed, is customer service has died a slow, tragic death. Employees at places of business, they don't want to see you anymore, let alone help you. But walking through that door of their business, it's like an affront to their being. They don't want you there they don't want to help you. They don't want to talk to you. You're almost a burden on what they were doing, which was looking at their phone or not wanting to work. Have you noticed that customer service across the board has just taken a massive growler? When you're in line at the Chick-fil-A or in and
1: out drive through, and you're shocked at how nice the people are, that's when you know customer service has died because you're like, whoa. Isn't it crazy how nice people are? And you're like, that's how it used to be. You walk into a store. Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Can I help you find something? How's your day going? What, what happened?
0: What happened? Where'd it go? Yeah. You chose that job. Yeah. You chose to
1: serve. Right. And God forbid you call oh. somewhere to get help. Oh. I mean, come on.
0: You might as well go out in the ocean and shoot yeah. a flare up in the sky. Yeah,
1: dude. It's just, wow, customer service. Yeah. Pretty, pretty gonzo. It's, it's so bad now when I go to places, especially like hardware stores and like some guys just like, oh, we're going to help you find something. I'm just like politely with nicer words than this, but what my body language and what I'm really saying underneath my nice words is get away from me. I'd rather be lost in here for 30 minutes and find it myself. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I don't want to deal with you Yeah, because you, you're going to bring me down, bud.
0: I've felt this for a long time and seen it in a number of places, but the place that I felt it the most recently, are you familiar with the Buffalo Exchange? No. The Buffalo Exchange is a thrift store, but it's a little elevated in the sense that they curate nice vintage clothes. So it's like a Goodwill, but instead of you just dropping your stuff off in a garbage bag and getting out of there, you can go in there and sell your clothes to them and then they'll resell it for 50 times what they paid for it. Yeah. And they only sell the best looking stuff. A couple of things on this. One, they... Treat you like absolute shit. Like h- how dare you even be born, let alone walk into the store with yeah. those rags? You yeah. think we want that shit? Yeah. And they go through your pile and they give 80% of it back to you and say, this stuff's disgusting. I can't believe that you're even a human being. And then the other three things they say, you know, we'll give you six bucks for it. Do you want that $6 in trade-in or do you want $2 in cash? And you're like, wow, this is this is awesome. Yeah. And that's after waiting in line for two hours to sell it. And then they take the stuff from you and they promptly give you a swift kick in the ass to get the hell out of there. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's a horrible, horrible place. I was there looking for some vintage stuff for, for our place. Didn't find any of course, cause screw that place. But also I had some stuff to get rid of from my closet. One thing that I got rid of was a Dandy Del Mar button up shirt. Your wife owns Dandy Del Mar. She is the designer and the buyer who was like hipster personified on steroids, like made Cole Young look like a square. This guy looks at the Dandy Del Mar thing and goes, how do you know about this brand? As if a guy like me, you know, who's wearing Kirkland Signature Slides would have no idea what I have in my possession, you know? He goes, how do you know about Dandy Del Mar? And I was like, well, one of my best friends is the owner and designer and she's married to my other best friend who's my business partner and we're neighbors down in San Clemente. And he immediately did an about face, a 180. Welcome to
1: the Buffalo Exchange. Yeah,
0: what can we get you, sir? I all of a sudden became the coolest dude in the store and he was like, I love this brand. This is the coolest thing going in Southern California right now, Dandy Del Mar. We can't wait to bring this shirt in and sell it. And I'm like, great, awesome. I'll tell Katie Kai that she's got a fan up at the Buffalo Exchange in Wollaston, nice. California.
1: Nice. Breaking down barriers.
0: So good for Dandy. I've seen Dandy being worn by Aaron Paul, Brian Cranston, Nick Jonas recently, but I think their biggest claim to fame is the Buffalo Exchange actually wanted a piece <laughs> yeah, of their program.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you know you've reached the top.
0: Yes. So that was my weekend, kind of jumping around, looking for old stuff. I did find a new set of clubs, and by new, I do mean a vintage set of Hogan's that we're going to put up on the website soon. The vintage section is looking good. How was your weekend, and what did you do?
1: Jam-packed. We never came up for air. Friday, was left the office at at a reasonable hour to get ready, went to my good, good friend Justin Jung's wedding. Justin's been our uh, videographer for the Nation Desert Classic for years, over 10 and his wife, Alexis, they had a beautiful backyard wedding. Their parents' backyard has this massive tropical retreat with this um, huge water slide and grotto and pool and like lanai and this whole thing. And, and they decorated beautifully. And we just we just tied one on, woke up a little groggy and went straight to the beach. And we posted up at the beach way too long all day Saturday, wore ourselves out. Um, came back home, put the baby to bed, then went out to dinner at Windensea at eight o'clock. After that, and I slugged rum and cokes just so I could stay awake. woke <laughs> woke up woke up in the morning after that. Saw everyone in church, and then uh, after church we uh, went to our friend's community pool in Irvine and swam because Palmer is a fish now. It's crazy. And after that, we went to Dave and Buster's straight from <laughs> from the thing and went past bedtime at Dave & Buster's, came home, I fucking crash landed, dude. When you asked me this morning, did you catch any of the golf this weekend? Internally, I chuckled because I was like, I don't think we turned the TV on this weekend. Palmer's at that age now where it's just like, we're just doing as much as we can all the time. Mm-hmm. And as tiring as it is, and as, at some times when you're, you kind of internally, you're like, God, I just want to sit down for a minute. You look back when it's all over, you know, Monday morning and you're like, God, that was that was pretty, pretty sweet, but boy, I'm tired.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that I've made it a habit to ask you about your weekends now because, again, I don't see you on the weekends and don't really know what you do. And I have learned over the last two episodes that you drink Fireball at your house, which is so strange while watching sci-fi, and uh, you, you drink rum and Cokes like they're water and you go to Dave and Buster's as if that's a normal thing to do. That place is
1: wild. When you go to the arcade section in the back, it's just like stimulation overload.
0: Yeah. Did you see enough framed football jerseys on the wall to last a <laughs> yeah. lifetime?
1: Yeah. Uh, but Palmer was stoked. That was her first time in anywhere near that. And yeah. the great thing about that is we didn't even spend any money on her. She just goes around from from station to station, slaps a couple buttons. We mm-hmm. don't even put the card in or turn the game on, and it's just like to the next one put her in the stroller, and we get the hell out of
0: there. Well, you're doing it, Dad. Good for you. Shout out to Tony Bacardi, who came down to the shop for the first time ever. This is one of our very, very dear friends. A great guy, lives up in Santa Barbara. He made his way down to San Clemente. I think he was down here doing some firefighter and paramedic training. But he popped in, and there's nothing I like more than when you're running a business, and you're trying your hardest, and you've got two guys tending to this giant multifaceted garden and someone pops in with some good old-fashioned unsolicited advice Mm. and Tony Bacardi sat right here where you're sitting right now and he told me your podcast which I would probably only listen to because you guys are my friends needs more debate you guys need to be like Stephen a Smith and skip Bayless pick a topic doesn't even matter if you believe what you're saying and just argue about it. And I thought to myself in my head, there is no fucking way I'm (laughs) ever going to do that. And then out loud, I said, that's a great idea, Tony. I'll look into that. Does Tony fail to realize, he's one of my good friends, that I just spent 15 years in the fake argument debate business in radio. I never want to hear a debate or an argument about sports ever again. Adam, who's your
1: greatest basketball player? Who's the time? GOAT?
0: Is it Michael or LeBron? Do you want to argue that for a while? No. Okay, because I think we both think it's Michael, but according to Tony, you need to say something that you don't actually believe, and we'll get more clicks and downloads. <laughs> so why don't you argue for LeBron? And we can debate if Tiger will ever no, win thanks. another major. Yeah, No, thanks. Okay. Uh, who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Is it Brady or Montana? Joe Montana. Dude. Isn't
1: this great?
0: <laughs> podcasting? Aren't you guys just dying to click on this? Yeah. There was a time in my life where
1: that stuff was entertaining to me. Nowadays, you know, guys don't grow up as much. That's why they're still wearing the sneakers they grew up in. Like, they're always trying to relive those those glory days. And I look, I get it. Nostalgia is cool. I'm, I'm Mr. Nostalgia. But personally, my nostalgic taste and my appetite for current life situations has just matured in a way where I see a lot of that stuff kind of as just celebrating false idols. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tickle me quite like it used to. And look, I'm busier with other shit than I was when I was able to digest that content. So the idea of digesting that content not only isn't like just an afterthought, it's not even an option. As much as I maybe feel like I don't want to consume that anymore, I really can't. Mm -hmm. Good for you guys. Go to Buffalo Wild Wings on Sunday with your polyester jerseys on, yell at each other and sit on a bar stool. I'm going to be at the beach, dude. In my opinion, I got cooler shit to do.
0: Now, I love Tony. You love Tony. Of course. We're just messing around. Thank you, Tony. Him giving us an idea shows that he cares. Yeah. And and we appreciate that. I, I don't think he realized that he is talking to a person in me who is allergic to sports right now. Yeah. I'm allergic. I just got out of it for 15 years.
1: Well, maybe he, his point was that we need to argue about other shit.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. And to that point, I think the reason me and you are in business together and flying this niche flag is because we agree on most
1: stuff. I mean, we could have an argument about why I think Radiohead isn't a great band. Well, you would
0: lose that argument. <laughs> Radiohead is the greatest band of all time. Pull your head out of your ass. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, I think the reason why we cohesively get along and run a company together is because we generally agree on most stuff. Just like we probably agree, it is time for this episode... To come to an end. Just when I start to have fun. Yeah. I get to that point where I
1: start to like, I accept your presence. Then I start to slightly appreciate it. And I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad.
0: Oh, (laughs) wow. We warmed you up. (laughs) Just like uh, Golf Digest and customer service, this podcast is over. Thank you so much for listening to The Fellowship. We really appreciate it. And we, as always, will catch you next week.
1: Know the game. Shrink the game.